Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen, sat next to Andy Wood. Hey, do you like the uh, like the mustache? Yeah, I, I, I let it go when we walked in. <laughs> is this an intentional choice, or is this uh, you were shaving the beard it's, and you just went for? It's one. It's going to be one day of this. Right, you just tomorrow. can't not sort of. You've got a, If you've got a full beard, it, it's almost irresponsible, socially irresponsible, to not take it down. You're wasting different facial shapes at a time. You're wasting like six weeks of growth there. Yeah, because I don't. My only ever experience with the moustache was doing Movember a couple of years ago. Right. And, but I went from clean shaven and then just sort of slowly built up. So I had, over the entire month, probably at least a third to a half of it was at the creepy stage. Okay. That's why that's what you have to do for Movember, though. The only honorable thing is to start from zero yeah. and go through the shame. At least I had the, that. yeah, I was going like, it's for charity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It wouldn't have been a it wouldn't be a charity move to start off with a beard and sort of work down. No, the last no, day I'm just looking rugged and cool for yeah. charity. <laughs> no, that is the voice of our guest and someone. It's taken like a couple of weeks to sort of logistically organize this. What, so slippery, so slippery, super funny uh, comedian and writer. Uh, one of the people behind Ground Floor and Andrew Tribeca and loads of other shows from Canada originally and down here now, Mr. Jason Belleville. Thank you. I'll hold for the applause. You guys are gonna, yeah. You guys put that in after, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Cool. yeah. And cool. all the laughter and everything. And it should be ending right about now. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And yeah. Well, so that's Jason. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks. I'm <laughs> out of here. Coming. <laughs> I'll be back next time. I will always think you have a mustache now because I haven't seen you before. So I will oh, assume that's your standard look. It's horrible, and it's got like a slight. It's not a you handlebar. Went, what do you call it when you go down the sides a little bit? It's a little um, village people. Yeah. It's yeah. a little. It's a little village people. Or slash can't be near playgrounds. Uh, Jeff Skunk Baxter, maybe the dude from Ram Jam. Oh, the, yeah. The Black Betty video. Yeah. Yep. Yep. A, a year ago, I'll run into you and go, hey, what up your mustache? And you won't have any idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. It'll be <laughs> such an afterthought for life. you. Yeah. But that's almost the totality of what you know about Andy exactly. so far. Exactly. Exactly. I know you have a mustache and a yellow shirt. And uh, and you want <laughs> and he wants to with your brother. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 was, he did stand I up did, yeah. I, host, yeah. I hosted uh, back in probably 2008 or nine for your brother Ryan at uh, Harvey's in Portland. Yeah. I, I remember he uh, he came back just raving about it. <laughs> it left a mark. He got a tattoo after it. But you, it's a picture of you guys in front of Harvey's in Portland, which you didn't recognize because of the mustache. He had a mustache. In it. Oh my god, that's you. Oh my god, that full back Harvey's tattoo in Portland makes sense. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You're the mysterious stranger he's obsessed with. <laughs> Ryan, if you're listening, I found him. <laughs> it's like the Cinderella slipper, finally. <laughs> Lining up someone with mustaches in front of the... Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's him. It's uh, just, anyway, like one that he puts on his back. He's no, not him. <laughs> Gluing mustaches on stepsisters. No, no. Do you have a comic living in the back? That's him. Yeah, Jesse just mentioned this on his podcast, Jesse versus Cancer, last week. Um, how, how how specific were people's feet back in Cinderella <laughs> days that that could have been the sole criteria? Like, it's probably like a size seven. Yeah. I bet half the village yeah. would have fit into that slipper. Nobody it's, was buying shoes off the rack back then. I yeah, guess. it was all shoes custom, custom fitted. <laughs> yeah, wasn't until. It wasn't until centuries later when yoga started right. that you could then get feet that were conforming to your That's true. All the shoes. All the bunions and corns made it highly specific. Yeah, I mean, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Also, probably. why didn't they just remember faces back then? Like, what was... <laughs> she, was she was just in a better looking uh, outfit than normal, yeah. but her face was the same. Yeah, we've all seen the movie. She didn't change. <laughs> she didn't... Well, I think it's a message about the effect of poverty on right. a society where you just don't... Yeah. You see them as literally different people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yes. Let me put this piece of wealth on you and see how it suits you. <laughs> Because, uh, but, but yeah, ah, the woman I fell in love with was squirrel. much wealthier than you are. I don't think this is. I don't the, think so. How yeah. would you look wealthy? Yeah. <laughs> Give me a small part of you. I'll put wealth on it. <laughs> yes, that's you. This uh, wealth fits her like a glove. <laughs> <laughs> a foot glove. It really suited her. Like like vibram five finger. That's where they invented the word shoe because yeah. they called yeah. them foot gloves. Until then, <laughs> they're like, this is confusing. <laughs> Shoes, and we'll make them custom sizes. Uh, anyway, thanks for having me. I'm out of here. <laughs> Slam. That was me driving my hand out of here. Uh, thanks for having me. Yes, thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. We heard I listened you listened last, week. last week's episode. That's so much Shaw, more. Another Canadian expat. Very nice. funny lady. Uh, and we... God damn it! We we cut the mics last week and then talked to her for half an hour about her blog, which oh, is hilarious. Yeah, she's had got no a idea. She has blog. a dating blog that's amazing, but also just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it has a huge following, yes. and it is called. You didn't know that. Neither did any of your followers till now because mm-hmm. you cut the mic. Yeah, we. Is it 
because after we after we finished the podcast, right. we're like, okay, what is what's everyone up to for the rest of the evening? And she's like, oh, I'm on a date. That's what I do most nights and write up about it. It's my huge following. Oh, <laughs> damn it! The following we could have tapped into. It's walkinsauce.tumblr.com, yeah. and she details stories of uh, the many many first dates she's gone on. Um, they're very funny. I don't know if they're all through uh, Tinderish apps or if it's just dating in general, but um, yeah, she's got and she recommends checking out the. Uh, I forgot what it's called. Whatever. They're all great. Check out uh, walkinsauce.tumblr.com and you'll find out about Christina's many dating adventures. Hey, Jason, we always ask our guests this before we get into the meat of the stories. Mm -hmm. What, if anything, is your background in science? Okay, well, uh, I'd say my most current qualification is I have a... uh uh, six-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old next week who's starting science class. So he, like we had nice. uh, oh. cockroaches in a terrarium at home last week talking oh, about cool. their uh, about their feeding habits and their exoskeleton and all this kind of stuff. So that's my current, like, we're talking like kindergarten well, level. that's a yeah. whole thing because yeah. suddenly if you have kids, if you have, you suddenly have to help them with these yeah. subjects that yes. in many cases yes. were not your subject of at choice. At all, at all. I mean, I, I was, I was good, good at science. I read all the time life uh, science books that used to get. Do you ever have those when you were like kids? Like a it, fun with physics book? Yeah, well, they were like more advanced than that, but it would be like had the ones on, on paranormal stuff where it would be like the pyramids and all these. And they also had ones that were scientific theorems like Einstein and so-and-so. And every month you'd get one and it would be I think I got that. Book. I remember seeing the ads for the ones that are yeah. about supernatural things. But then yeah. The moment I, the internet came out, everybody just like tilted a shelf and all those books just slid into the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like, you know, just, I, I can find that in two seconds on a, right. on a phone. Well, yeah, my parents still have still have in their dining room just a massive bookcase that's just an encyclopedia yeah and probably from what year like before things were discovered uh, I think they got it somewhere mid to late 80s I remember perfect. when it arrived in the house perfect Is it what brand what, did you guys get uh, I think we had the world book encyclopedia I think we have the 87 world book on our shelf oh, oh, we might even have exactly the same <laughs> issue it's did, like all gonna be like racist out of date inappropriate like <laughs> references to countries that don't exist anymore right. a subchapter on the gay plague you're like oh, this is yes. horrible. why do we have this the Mohammedan is a feral race <laughs> oh okay oh, at least it's 180 pounds of knowledge it, uh, but no I, so I'd say that's my intro now and I mean I uh, I always loved uh, science as a kid but I, as a writer you know and doing comedy you sort of leave that by the wayside and now we're back in this golden era where everybody can keep up to date with scientific advancements on their phone right, and, right. and reading th- a couple of websites every day yeah and through their highly informative podcasts mm-hmm. i don't know of any podcast that keeps one up to date on science in a humorous it's slant only, uh, only we live in a like world infinite monkey a- cage and a couple of others <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best one no. yeah no this uh, for example guys like you keeping us all informed every day at the sure. most yeah. surface level uh, yeah we just <laughs> We just got an invitation to submit to a, uh, a conference of, of science educators. Did, did we? Well, I mean, it's, I missed that. it's an invitation to then pay to submit. I'm not knocking that because right. I run a festival that mm-hmm. charges for submissions. Um, but uh, I just I don't know if I would even want to put us up against quote unquote real science. I, I, don't, I don't doubt that we get useful information across. But like, of I, if I took an award away, it would feel kind of like the Martian winning for comedy. You know, like yes. if, if we yes. happen to win over actual. Science well, you look like geniuses compared to like me, but then you put yourself against actual scientists. Yeah, you feel like oh. we shouldn't have put ourselves in the run. And I, it's cocky of me to say I don't want to enter because I'm afraid of winning. That's not what it is. I also <laughs> don't want to lose, uh, so I don't um, think we'll be submitting. Well, we also i i can't I can't find the email for a while. We were getting spammed by an academic journal inviting us to submit papers, but it's clearly one of those pay-to-play, oh, right, right. utterly fraudulent academic journals. Although it would be kind of great to have a couple of papers published just for your website, just for this, to be yeah. like, you yeah. know, authors of... <laughs> you know. I think they were based in India, and... I love it. I love the idea. Like, that's the next level vanity publishing. Vanity science publishing. Yeah. Right, the equivalent of, is it mike.com or medium.com, whichever of those things looks like a, like a like a, an actual curated... Thing, That's but right. it's not. Which one is it? One of those sites is is the same as Tumblr, but it has the oh, veneer. Oh, really? Because it might be Medium, although I've actually yeah. read some really good things on Medium. Well, I've read some good things on Tumblr, but yeah, the, it's the fact is, you go to it and you think yeah. you're reading like a curated, ed- edited thing, and, and it's, it's not. It's at just all. yeah, it's just Tumblr. Oh, we got to the bottom of that. We did. Guys, <laughs> done. By the way, the Britannica, th- or the encyclopedia thing reminded me. Did we talk about how I googled what happened to that kid from the ad? And it's uh, he's the son of um, legendary. Um, Animator or voice artist? Damn it! One second. Now I got to look it up which again. Ad, which ad are we talking about? I'm... The old ads for Encyclopedia Encyclop- oh, yeah, yeah. Britannica, with which I never kid, saw. Those um, who there was a voiceover. I want to say yes. Okay, Stan Freeberg is his dad. Okay. Do you know who Stan Freeberg? 
was of course, you, but you want to tell your listeners. Oh yes, uh, I'm googling I it again. I want to make sure. You know, right? <laughs> of course, we all. Sorry, know. we're sharing I, knowing looks over here. <laughs> yeah. um, yes, animation, voice actor, comedian, radio radio personality, recording artist. Uh, uh, da, 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 most known for. Uh, uh, he, vo- he voiced. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I thought there were more things to his name that I thought he voiced like some of the most iconic cartoons of he like. He voiced a, the pickle in a 1992 commercial, the pickle on the road. <laughs> you guys remember that, right? <laughs> Junior Bear in Looney Tunes cartoons. Um, oh, Junior Bear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My favorite of the smaller bears. <laughs> what am I thinking of him as no, most being known for then? I thought it was vo- uh, for voice acting, but maybe it's for uh, his radio show. Anyway, so his son is Donovan Freeberg, who was the kid from the Encyclopedia Britannica ads, who is now a uh, photographer and writer. Cool. And also Stan did the voiceover in those old ads. Oh, he was Linus. Oh, no, hang on. No, his son was Linus and Peanuts. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, that's big. Uh, and... Yeah, I thought Stan Freeberg was one of those guys like um, like your Mel Blanks, or uh, maybe mm-hmm, he's not mm-hmm. as known for, for the animation stuff. I derailed this completely for a story that wasn't that interesting, and for that, I apologize. Hey. No, he was. He did do... Uh, here we go. Because I remember when you found that out, looking it up, because he died recently. He died... Uh, I say recently. It was Stand about it. a year ago. Stan did. Yep. Uh, was the the Banana Boat song, that was him. Mmm. Okay. Wait, he covered it? No, I think that was him originally. No. What? Uh, We're both looking at the same Wikipedia page and arguing <laughs> over it. <laughs> yeah. I'm editing it just to mess with you guys or ahead of you. So we, yeah, this is what we should have submit to this festival. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, no, no, he did a satirization of Harry Belafonte's Banana Boat song. Oh, there we go, okay. Yeah. Uh, in this version, the lead singer is forced to run down the hall and close the door after him to muffle the sound. Oh, I remember ha- hearing that as a, I remember having that on some cassette tape. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. So maybe he was like a Spike Jones type? I mean, the other Spike Jones without the Z. <laughs> You know, oh, yeah, could where be. he wrote like quote unquote funny songs yeah. that like by today's standards, like I guess that's comedy. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. he was sure. the Weird Al of his day. Right, right. He did a he did a cover of a Johnny Mathis is wonderful, wonderful called. He, I wish I had a computer in front of me. <laughs> really not, none of these guys are, are looking at computers; they're just staring into space, recalling facts. Mm-hmm. Are many many facts? He about got Stan into trouble Freeberg. with uh, Ed Sullivan for cover. It was like, all sorts. He did a lot of things over the years. You could really do very little and get under Ed Sullivan's skin, right? Because that was like the mm-hmm. whole doors light my fire yeah. thing. Wasn't that Ed Sullivan? Uh, yep. Yeah. Girl, we couldn't get much better. Uh, yeah, he he was behind a lot of famous ad campaigns. He was a radio guy. For more on he Stan a- Freeberg. <laughs> yeah, visit your local library. <laughs> <laughs> and also the Stan Freeberg section. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could go back in time and undo this whole this whole sidetrack. I got well, you can, but, but we're not going yeah, to. We're not going to. That's true. There's a way to do it. You're the yet, one who here we are. The edit. This isn't mm-hmm. one of those live podcasts. Nope. No. Leaving it in. Leaving it in. Oh, it's too much gold. <sighs> hey, I want to do so this much. story. Go for it. Uh, oh, is this where we're segueing into actual stories of the day? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes there's a good segue. Sometimes we just agree that that was a, a go nowhere that I just <laughs> no, took hey, us that's on. great. That's that's like science. Sometimes you get to the bottom and you... Yeah, mm-hmm. I think sometimes a null result is as important as a yeah. positive one. This yeah. is the control group for comedy. Absolutely. Yeah. My hypothesis is, is this bit will go well? Nope. Nope. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. I shall publish it, though, because I am <laughs> a good scientist. <laughs> We're you, not going to edit this out. We're going to publish journals. our results. One of those journals in India that you will pay to publish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Freeberg Papers. Why did they publish? <laughs> the work was done. Yeah. What do you um, have, Matt? Two U.S.-based astronomers have suggested we should shine lasers into space if we want to hide our presence from aliens. <laughs> <laughs> we're starting it with heavy science, yeah. and then we're going to ease our way into some of the... Some of the lighter stories. We start with the shining lasers into space. Yeah. The beams could compensate for the dip in light mm-hmm. that the Earth creates when it passes in front of the sun as viewed from far off worlds, they contend. Mm-hmm. A number of researchers have questioned the wisdom of advertising our existence to the galaxy. Mm-hmm. They fear that if aliens did visit us, they might not be very friendly and could introduce disease. Yes. The, uh, Isn't one of the hallmarks for aliens looking for new life to go, does this planet have the technology to design space shooting lasers? <laughs> if so, we, now we have to go talk to them. Mm-hmm. Like it could be a, uh, but yeah, this, a uh, beacon. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know how this planet that we've already mapped out used to go darker yeah. when it passed behind the sun, but now it doesn't? It's almost like they've developed 
huge laser technology that could be a threat to us. We should probably, what, destroy it? I guess. I guess we should destroy it. Can we find it? Yeah, it's pretty, we'll just tilt our head to the left. It's, like, it's on, shining on a flashlight at us yeah, the exactly. whole time. So let's just, yeah. As long as you don't look directly at it. <laughs> it's great shining a flash. They're just yeah. like, quit it. Hey, okay. what's in my... Yeah. Ah, got a couple of their planes are veering off track. <laughs> Who's doing that? <laughs> Would that that can't possibly work. That couldn't work. Well, could is, is this a change in? I feel like this is sort of like uh, remember the book, The Rules. Yeah. Is this? Are we playing hard to get as a planet? Are we agreeing that that's oh, the thing we should be doing? Where before yeah. we were coming on too strong, that's we were true. trying to be found, and now we're like, let's be a little more and coy. We, can, we should send out uh, probes into space, that, like <clears throat> mean messages, so we can neg, we can other, neg planets. other planets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Going, well, what's his deal? <laughs> he thinks he's better than us. Uh, I'll show him he's not better than us by <laughs> coming here. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's pretty bold human aspiration to boldly hide where no one can find us. <laughs> That's what we always wanted to do. Was this turned down? Was this the, the, the plan B after it was unfeasible to make like a planet-sized mustache to just disguise <laughs> us from what they'd seen before? Okay. Is that the plan? No, it's not the, Dif- it's not yeah, the plan. That we know. Different one. Look at the yeah. tattoo. Look oh, at the yeah. tattoo. Not the ex- <laughs> My brother did a show with a planet in Portland. I can tell. Uh, um, so wait, this is a, this is a diff- this is differing from most people who are trying to get us in contact. Well, right? I so, wonder if there's a huge conflict between them and the SETI people yeah, who are actually trying to. Like, it's, that's so funny. It's like one team's trying to hide, and the other team's like, "Guys, guys, yeah. look at us, <laughs> guys! We're broadcasting prime numbers and platonic solids. <laughs> look at these geometric shapes. It must be the sign of intelligent life." That's great. These triangular aliens who arrive, who only speak in prime numbers, are so excited to meet us, and there's nothing here because of the space light. <laughs> the like, space oh, light is amazing. Do you have the address right? Yeah, I'm sure I had the address right. Oh, I was really excited to meet them <laughs> and give them all these cures to diseases and junk. Oh. But the analogy that this article mentions is uh, Europeans arriving in the Americas in the 15th and 16th centuries, and that contact obviously wrought havoc with the health of uh, mm. indigenous populations. So what if, yeah, we're, we're, we're standing on... Uh, mm-hmm. Plymouth Rock beckoning, saying, "Please uh, bring over some smallpox blankets and, <laughs> and stuff." And that's uh, so that's a good point. Yeah, David Kipping and Alex Tichy from Columbia University in New York says that if we are fearful hmm. of a similar outcome from an alien encounter, then lasers offer a solution. They've calculated what would be required to cloak the Earth and publish the concept in a paper in the monthly notices of the Royal Astronomical Society. And this uh, perverts the technique scientists already use now to look for distant planets around other stars. Hmm. Yeah, we've talked about this before on the show. So the way they've generally gone about trying to find planets, uh, like other planets, is they look for little wobbles in the light of various stars. Right. So you see a star and it should have a stable amount of light, and then there's just a sort of a fluctuation in the intensity. Right. And that's because a planet is passing in front of it. And that's what, like, uh, Dr. Alex Lockwood, our past guest, studies uh, exoplanets using that kind of technique. Um, so yeah, we'd be, bastard, be using a version of that to, to uh, that, co- so people couldn't. Oh, interesting, right? So when when a transit for us would occur, there's a telltale decrease in starlight from our own sun, and um, but wouldn't that? I mean, to do it effectively, I mean, all that would mean is an alien race looking here would think there is one less planet in our system. They'd still think we are in a system that has. <laughs> That's a very good point. Know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Unless I guess we also put them on top of Jupiter and yeah, excellent. But like, you just fucking leave Pluto. But the rest of them, we, we I swore, is that okay? I didn't. Yes, yeah, oh, so you, okay, you can fucking do whatever you want. Okay, yes. But I mean, that's because you're still going to have like realistically from that proximity. I don't know if you're really going to know that Mars doesn't have life, and we do. You're just going to see a couple of planets within a close proximity of margin of error within a sun. Is well, here's here's what I don't understand as well, uh, and maybe one of our listeners can, or maybe one of you can work this out. Um, according to the pair's calculations, emitting a continuous 30-megawatt laser for about 10 hours once a year would be enough to distort the characteristic dip in light when Earth transited the sun as viewed from an alien Kepler telescope. What? But that doesn't make sense. Cause it's like you know where that planet is, right? Because otherwise... How- yeah, the oh, Earth yeah, is constantly yeah. transiting the sun from different angles. Perspectives. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like wherever you are right now, we are transiting the sun from someone who is yeah. in, li- in the direct line from us to the sun. Or does it mean that... Um- Hmm. Does it mean that because the Earth is rotating, if you had a fixed point sending it out for 30 hours, you'd hit so many different angles in every direction? But it's saying saying if if you're only doing it once a year, which is what they're saying, then you must be assuming there's only one direction. Oh, yeah, of course, of course, yeah, of course. Where you'd be observed, which I don't get the logic of that, unless that's just the direction of like the closest possible. Hmm. I I don't know. A a listener will have to. uh, Yeah. Because there's no way that can. 
And they said it doesn't have to be one laser. It could be an array positioned around the Earth, or you could put it in space as a satellite. And they have calculated that the ISS already collects exactly the amount of energy that, that we would need to do this. So. Well, you just put it in space. Could you imagine, like, what would happen to air travel on our planet for, right. for, for, for laser day? <laughs> for laser Nobody day, can fly on laser day. <laughs> But just everyone uses their lasers that they already have. Like, you take out your laser pointers. Just do, yeah. <laughs> everyone but point it up right now. If it was one place, it would probably be out in the desert. It would probably be the ultimate burn, yeah. Burning Man. Like yeah. once every 10 oh, years, the biggest light in the history of mankind. We got really high and hid from aliens. Although I don't even know, it, like 30 megawatt laser, I don't even know if that is uh, crazy. I don't know, I don't know what that, I don't how big that would be. To compare it to, yeah. I mean, obviously, we know it's, it's power needs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So let's see, this would be, uh, they're talking about a laser system working in visible light, and Professor Kipping concedes, however, that a laser cloak that covers all wavelengths, not just the visible colors, would need a very large array of tunable lasers with a total power of 250 megawatts. Mm-hmm. Um, and an alternative might be to use a laser simply to disguise the interesting aspects about Earth, features in its atmosphere <laughs> that betray the fact that life exists here. There are a suite of gases that include oxygen, ozone, and methane. And if uh, if we just cloaked out those biosignatures, then another then another civilization might detect our planet through a transit. Everything would add up, but Earth would appear as a dead world, so they'd soon lose interest. Why is it? My brother talks about this on stage. Why we come to the future? We all have like, lasers are everywhere, but we do the most boring shit with them. Right, like, right. We can finally use this laser to hide, to hide <laughs> from the people <laughs> we've been trying to find for all the time. We'll just hide. Yeah, I wonder if you took a poll overall in the science community, like what percentage of people would be like pro-contact and what percentage anti. Because I got to assume the anti-people are yeah. in the minority. Like, yeah. They have to be. Yeah. I mean, it makes it... But there's, there is an argument to be made of it wouldn't be bad to have a cloaking technology if we thought we'd caught the attention of some... Dangerous. Yeah, something yeah. Like, like we've... Someone has responded to a message. We don't like what they said. We need to hide. Then there's some capacity. And then we know where they are. So then we only need to use it for 10 hours. Right. Oh, once like, a year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So many weird, and this definitely was not published on April on April first. So it's real, at, yeah. And if it were, it wouldn't be funny enough. No. Um, yeah. Cool. So, listeners, if you guys have a reason, you can explain why this would be just a once a year thing. Why we would know what direction someone would conceivably be looking at us from. Let us. Yeah, know. I should have, I should, should be checking these stories kind of carefully because. What, yeah, the this, dates? No, yeah. I don't think BBC would be. No. Well, the BBC does do April yeah. Fool's jokes. Yeah. But that's just not quite... It's not quite sharp enough. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, the Gmail thing was was not... The the meta version of the joke was not funny. and It was real and just a badly done... Is that what it was? Because I, I remember yeah. listening to the thing last uh, week. Or yeah, at least so. a listener wrote in to say he did send an email during the window of time when it was still up and he saw that it was an active option to do that mic drop thing. So Cool. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that funny. and it, it, no. uh, Whether it actually messed anybody's life up or not is debatable, but like... I don't think it was probably used much in the way it was supposed to be. I think people probably just realized it was there as it ended. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is your next plum from the well, science world? Well, we'll put that story up on probably science.com and we'll uh, make sure we link to it with very careful grammar and, uh, and spelling. We wouldn't want to spell anything incorrectly because uh, I, for one, hate when people do that. I hate when people make grammatical errors or typos. Um, and I have been known to point it out to people and apparently... Uh, according to science, that makes me uh, a big fucking jerk. Oh, have you corrected uh, their stuff before? <laughs> no, I'm just saying if you are a person who points out typos, oh, yes. then you are an asshole. Um, yes, that's, so there was, that's been proven. <laughs> there was a new study from the University of Michigan, my hometown, um, cheekily or infuriatingly, if you're an asshole, titled, uh, If your, Y-O-U apostrophe R-E, if your house is still available, send me an email. Uh, it was published earlier this month, and for that study, 83 people were asked to read emails with typos and evaluate the writer's personality and level of intelligence, and then evaluate themselves on the five big personality traits, which are extroversion, agreeability, conscientiousness, neuroticism, and openness. And predictably, grammar police tend to be disagreeable, close-minded, and conscientious introverts. Oh, Wow. Frothing at the mouth upon seeing your mom with uh, Y-O-U apostrophe R-E and stop right there, T-H-E-I-R, isn't the only thing these alleged tools have in common. <laughs> so we co- keep putting alleged it's, in it. Yeah. Uh, and also, does r- tools great. This is an Esquire article, though. So, um, well, it, link, it links, uh, linked to the links study. It links to the Gizmodo article, which in turn links to the study. You've got to go through three layers, but we've got Love it now. Love the tertiary sources. Um, so... They combed the internet, Esquire, for similar a-hole studies and found one that argues CEOs tend to lack basic interpersonal skills like being a good listener 
And um, another disputes the classic saying, nice guys finish last by showing that women actually tend to prefer unattractive, considerate guys to hot jerks. Um, but that's a different story to this main one, which is the, yeah, that study that shows if you point out these errors, you tend to be higher scoring on uh, disagreeableness, closed-mindedness. But what I don't like about it... are also more likely to to reply with, you're a fucking idiot, learn to construct a goddamn sentence. <laughs> right. Well, because that's a way they can channel their rage, yeah. whereas if they're extroverts, they can they have other places. They're more likely mm-hmm. to wave off burning errors. Yeah. I'm trying to find, uh, like, it won't load right now for some reason, but the the actual study combined typos and grammar errors, which I think are totally different. Like, one of the errors they put in was the word make being spelled M-K-A-E, mm-hmm. which I don't judge, because I know typo. you know how to spell it. Yeah. Your fingers slipped. But True. if you're using there and there wrong, yeah, I'm going to judge so you. So are you, are you basically... Uh, Splitting hairs with the article that says "asshole split hairs." Yeah, <laughs> that is exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure that's, uh-huh. that's cool. exactly yeah. what's cool. happening. I'm cool. saying I'm not an asshole. But you're right, though. You're I'm right. half an asshole because I wouldn't. Yes. I wouldn't point out your typos. Yes, yes. but uh, and I wouldn't actually. I wouldn't point out your. I wouldn't put it out to you. Sure, I would yeah. show it to yeah, a friend yeah, yeah, and yeah, laugh course, at you. I would screen grab it and put up an Instagram of it because I think that's comedy, but it's not. It's just grammar <laughs> errors. Uh, but you know, I, you're the, the same way. Although on Twitter, sometimes those ones sometimes make me more mad because it means you didn't even look at your... If, sometimes you, if you mistyped your and your, sometimes you'll read it the wrong way and you'll just clock... You won't catch it because you're yeah. being an idiot. But if you've typed make M-K-A-E, just glancing at your tweet, you'll know, oh, crap. It's underlined. But sometimes yeah. people, when you're just like, out, you're like, that could have been a funny thing, but instead it's... Right. I, I am I get so frustrated when I accidentally send a tweet with a typo. Oh, I, I am so oh, mad. And then if it gets a few likes, you're like, I can't delete yeah, it and I can't, redo I can't, it. I'm not going to get those likes yeah. back again. Yep. No, it's, that's, that's the dilemma. It's like, can I get it down before anyone I like responds to it? Because I can't. Then it's, then it's you guys embedded are, in amber. We're all assholes. Or but I, mean, I don't want to group you in with me. But, uh, well, you know, I think noticing it's one thing. Having the energy and the wherewithal to go into a comment section. Right. And com- and most, I think most comment sections are filled with people who are uptight. Yeah. And frustrated. I mean. And this study, it doesn't actually require you to, I mean, it asked you to rate the intelligence of, of the author. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're saying, would you write to this person to tell them they were wrong? It's just like, what, what do you think of them? And it's right. like, yeah, I, I, I would think less of you. Sure. And maybe I am Especially even the, if given the offer, too. Yeah. You know, it, affect, <laughs> it affects it just to begin with. Like, do you think the guy's dumb who wrote this? Yeah, I guess I'd yeah. like it. You know, if you didn't ask someone the question, they may not really bat an eye as much at the typos. And then, but then if I, if I really think about it, I do realize that if the point of grammar, if the point of all language is to communicate an idea and the mm-hmm. idea was communicated yes. effectively, then am I just using this That's as a, a way to too. judge someone's sure. socioeconomic, you sure. know, because like, like, they conveyed the message, yes. they knew what they meant. And now I'm just being pedantic. As long cause... as they put their effort into what they're doing. So sometimes it's all laziness and like you didn't even bother to show me the respect as a reader when you're trying to communicate something to me. You could have shown the respect to learn a little more about what you're doing. Right, But right. most of the time, you know. And, and everybody, no matter how good you are, you'll always have a typo somewhere <laughs> yeah. in your thing. That's the problem. You could be the most update person in the world and you will catch a there or there or an it's or you might somewhere. be co-hosting a science podcast and then pontificating about how, uh, how animals extract yeah. gases oh, from water. But, by and... the way, Justin Broad, our friend, <laughs> sent that one in. Uh, but then, yep. yeah, you got a correction. What happened? A correction? Oh, I hate when I'm wrong, and I was totally wrong last week when we were talking about this uh, this uh, scientifically impossible device that was going to allow people to breathe underwater. And the science on it is wrong, but I editorialized a little bit about part of why it was wrong, saying that not only would it not get enough um, gas from the water, but all you're going to get is oxygen because water is just hydrogen and oxygen, and you need to have mostly not oxygen when you're breathing like i say at the time that kind of flagged for me for a second and i was like i reckon andy must have read the article better than me no i just was like there's no there's no nitrogen and that's 80 percent of our air listen to joe webb right in because he's a dick and disagreeable and uh but conscientious and an introvert Um, (laughs) no joe thank you for writing you were totally right and i just acted like an expert on something that i was totally wrong about um what was the what what did he say he said uh, I mentioned that water is two parts hydrogen and one oxygen, but neither this machine nor any fish carries out hydrolysis, which is breaking the water molecules apart to breathe. It's the gas molecules hanging out among the water molecules that animals use. Ah. So, yeah. So where a course. fish breathes, or 
breathes in quotes, mm-hmm. but a, a fish absorbs the oxygen that's dissolved in seawater. Well, not it just not oxygen. Water. It wouldn't just be oxygen. It would be actual, yeah. like, in the same proportion. All the atmosphere gases that we right. have up here. Oxygen and nitrogen. That's interesting. Yeah. They don't break the H2O down. Yeah, Which yeah. Which makes sense. Don't it, it does. I guess, I guess I didn't know how I thought that gills would be able to do that, but it, I just accepted that that's what well, the, must the bit, happen. I, I thought for a second that this machine was doing something different to what a gill does. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they're apparently saying it, it just, is just working like a gill. But Except either way, it it's a lie. It wouldn't get enough. Oh, was it? Not, I can't remember that. Was that April Fool's strike? Or no, no, it's it, a it's a legit. They're trying Indiegogo to go go. Oh, okay. Or but you wonder what's in like the no no. Yeah. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> those cost ten dollars. <laughs> Um, but I do wonder what's going to happen when they try to deliver this thing that isn't going to work, because they must know it doesn't work. It's a really tiny yeah. device that wouldn't be able to pull enough. It's just impossible. You could get yes. enough right. air to breathe. All, all these dead people on their hands. Because <laughs> they're hoping no one's going to ask for a refund because yeah, exactly. they'll be at the bottom of a Someone pool. Someone survived? Oh, shit. Yeah. We don't have the legal money for that. But, Joe, thank you for pointing that out. And I feel like a dick who doesn't know chemistry. So uh, You're not a dick. Oh. Joe emailed us at probablyscience at gmail.com, which is how you can send in any questions, comments, clarifications, and stories you want us to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, we post those stories up at probablyscience.com, which is where you can also find our donate button. Yes, you can. Um, you mean we, you can donate to the you show? You can donate there's to help way. us keep this show going and help us keep doing this thing. And there's been a few monthly donations that have come through in the few days between the last episode and today. Uh, Tony Johansson's monthly donations come through. Thank you very much, Tony. Thank you, James W. Casson. Uh, thank you, Brooks Gilmore uh, and Ben Marriott. And a huge thank you uh, to, as always, an incredibly generous monthly donation from Linda Moulton. Yes, Linda, we love you. So, so cool of you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, all of you, but particularly thank you, Linda. Um, You can donate either on an ongoing basis or a one-off at probablyscience.com. Click the donate button. Mm -hmm. The other way you can help us financially is if you click on the Amazon shopping tab there. And if you're shopping using Amazon either in the US, Canada, or the UK, click on the respective link why not set that link as your bookmark on your web browser of choice? You never have to remember to go to our site first. You can just have it autocomplete. Yep. And as you shop on Amazon, we get a little commission. It costs you no extra, and it really helps us out. So thank you, any, everyone who's doing that. I know quite a few of you do. And the other way you can help out is to spread the word. Um, let your friends who are podcast listeners know about our show. Let your friends who aren't podcast listeners also know about our show, but make sure you explain what a podcast is first. Uh, tell them it's like an it's like a radio on the internet. Speaking Ooh. of which, a friend of mine up in Portland I used to do comedy with, Casey Kendall, um, has been recommending the podcast to people he works with on a crisis line, which I'm not sure is the best wow. idea. Wow, drive him over the edge. He just told us uh, we might have a lot of new listeners struggling with mental illness. Um, so yeah, he works on a crisis line, frequently has people calling and struggling with depression or anxiety, and one coping skill he recommends is listening to music, watching TV, or listening to a podcast. And if the person is open to listening to podcasts, he always recommends ours. So I don't know if that's wow. a good or bad thing. But yeah, um, I, I I want our show to be listened to as by as many people as possible, but sure. maybe not in a medical setting. No, maybe not. I don't want that pressure. Maybe not. Or maybe yeah. not specifically as a therapeutic. Yes. Setting. If you're depressed, let's let's listen to you guys debunk wonders. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's perfect. Make the world a little less magical. A little less magic. Um, yep, that's our this motto. Thing doesn't happen. <laughs> Oh, you can't breathe underwater. But I almost wanted to. And aliens may be out. (laughs) Hide from the aliens and drown. Well, (laughs) Uh, that's very cool. Yeah, thanks for the recommendation, Casey. You guys get so much support. That's very cool of you. I I hope everyone uh, gets only the best things out of this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is there more learning coming? There's more learning. Oh, there's so much more learning. Yeah, what story do you want to do? I I would like. I quite like. Uh, would you prefer a space? We've already done a space story, so we let's did do, do a, a space story. Let's do a skin story. I like skin. Okay, um, that sounded really gross. I, like skin. I guess I do, but it's you can't really say that. It's no. horrible. No, <laughs> but it depends on the context, skin. really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Try putting it under your hobbies on our job application. And you will never enjoying skin as a hobby. Enjoy skin. Yeah, enjoy skin. skin. Yeah, I also juggle. It says there. <laughs> well, yeah, we're going to talk about the skin one. Microsoft Office. Um, <laughs> yes, but the skin. I really keep coming back to the skin. I, think, I don't know why I wrote I, that. <laughs> We seem really focused on this one thing that I put on my form, but if we could just get back to why I think I'd be a credit to your company. Okay, that's fair enough. I'll, I'll, I'll look at something else on the sheet if you let me out of this hole and stop giving me lotion. Uh, anyway, um, skin. Promising lab-grown skin sprouts skin. hair and grows glands. Pardon me? 
Scientists in Japan have successfully transplanted mice with lab-grown skin that has more of the organ's working parts in places or in place than ever before. Starting wow. with stem cells made from a mouse's gums, they managed to graft skin with multiple layers as well as hair follicles and sweat glands. Wow. When implanted into a, and this is in quotes, nude mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into skin and nude mice. Yeah. I got a couple hobbies, whatever. I don't, I don't let my mice wearing clothes. No. Oh, I'm just saying. Yeah. Stuart Little, ain't uh, my thing. Yeah. If you're buying me a Christmas card, may I recommend a tree or a star or an angel? angel. I no d- dressed mice. <laughs> <laughs> that part of Cinderella, that part, I find unbelievable. <laughs> don't. They can talk. I don't. I don't like their tailoring. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. Well, nude mice, as in this context, mean mice <laughs> with a suppressed immune system. Oh. <laughs> it integrated well and sprouted hairs. Researchers say this success will take five to ten years to translate into humans, but eventually the team hopes their system will lead to perfectly functioning skin that can be grown from the cells of burn victims and transplanted back onto them. Oh wow! Right. It'll be vastly superior to the culturing and grafting techniques that are currently available, which produce skin without many of the biological components and functionality that we're used to. That's crazy. Yeah, the technique could also be adapted to manufacture realistic skin samples that drug or cosmetic companies could use to test their products instead of using animals. That's um, crazy. But for now, we're using the fuck out of these animals. We're using yeah. the fuck out of these animals. Yeah, they're nude. We gotta, we gotta yeah. humiliate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, I mean, you got to break it down to build it back up again. That's yeah. what you have to do. Whenever I hear stories yeah. like that, it's interesting because uh, I don't know if other parents go through this now, but one of the common things when you have kids is common. Yeah, is like I have stem cells for both my kids saved. Like, oh really? I didn't know, I didn't know that was thing. a thing. That makes sense. stem cells. They take them after from the placenta itself, and they store them. And we pay I don't know, hundred bucks, two hundred bucks a year for them. And we do it for both because you can't do it for one. Yeah, right, like, sorry, right, sorry, right, right, you right, have yeah. no stem cells. We literally just loved him more. But because the doctors say, yeah, of course, there's cancer. But there's also all these other things that people are going to have that if you're relying on a community bank of stem cells that have been harvested in a way that everybody in the government's cool with, it's just a small bank. Whereas if you have your own that they can experiment with and play with to maybe grow your own skin cells yeah, you yeah. Know, in 20 years. I had no idea that was a commonplace thing. That's yeah. really cool. I, I, we pay for it until they're 18 and then they have to take over it if they want. And, but it also could work for myself or my wife. It's going to be probably, probably highly compatible for one of us if we needed something where stem cells were the base. So, so you guys just made some organ, walking organ banks for oh, yeah, yourselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're like, Daddy, because Daddy Daddy's going to carry on drinking here. <laughs> you better take care of yourself because I'm using those stem cells for my liver. Yeah, yeah but it's interesting because whenever I hear that kind of stuff, that's it's that's going to be the next wave of you know, because that's going to be the hard thing is there's only so many lines of stem cells you can access as a consumer. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks like if this technique becomes successful, they can get the skets, they got the stem cells from the mouse's gum rather than from that's the that's the next level the embryo. So now we get into the point where what they age get they were, that's yeah. the thing is they could probably do it from anything now. Um, yeah, I should probably stop paying those bills then. <laughs> so. uh the findings reported in the journal Science Advances have been greeted with enthusiasm by other scientists working in this field. Uh, Takashi uh, Suji is the paper's senior author. He says the dream of regrowing personalized organs was beginning to materialize. Up until now, artificial skin development has been hampered by the fact that the skin lacked the important organs, such as hair follicles and exocrine gra- glands, which allow the skin to play its important role in regulation. With this new technique, we've successfully grown skin that replicates the function of normal tissue. That's We're com- amazing. Right? We're coming ever closer to the dream of being able to recreate actual organs in the lab for transplantation. And then they have a time-lapse picture of, of what I can only describe as uh, werewolfing, basically, oh is what God. this... Uh, they have yeah, some patch that's that... The, that's the grafted skin? Yeah, so it's able to grow hair. So this is also good for just, you know, Halloween times. You want to have, like, a really realistic witch mole on your face that's or something. That's hilarious. Well, I wonder grafted as... on the week, the week before. Yeah. I wonder as well, when they're talking about testing cosmetics, mm-hmm. if you actually can eventually get to the point of growing skin that you can use in... Because I remember talking to a tattoo artist. Wow. And the way, the way that you learn to tattoo, you normally you start off as some other kind of artist. Sure. But then to actually learn the physical sensation of tattooing, they practice on pig skin often. Mm. But eventually they just have to practice on people. So they either <clears throat> right, rope right, in right. friends or they practice on themselves. Right. Uh-huh. And you've got to be pretty trusting friend or yeah. the kind of person who already has a shit ton of tattoos right. and it doesn't it really matter. this one and this one. Yeah. Uh, wow. But if you know, if you just have your own little skin that you keep growing and just 
It'll become like one of those toys that the um, or one of those heads that the yes. hairdressers practice yes. in. <laughs> it's just like an arm model, and they just they lay a new layer of skin on, and then you can oh. do your thing. And that's, <laughs> it, that's I want to rescind my "I like skin" comment because yeah, yeah. now I really hate Seems skin. From like. Brazil here. That's <laughs> creepy. Is it is great? And we discover the the skin is feeling, and they're like, "Of course, it's, it's my yeah. God, it's feeling the pain." It's it's, <laughs> it's become self aware. Um, they began their experiments by taking cells from the gums of a mouse and converting them into induced pluripotent stem cells or IPSCs mm-hmm. which is a popular and promising technique in stem cell research discovered in 2006 which bathes the cells in chemicals to wind back the clock the resulting cells like those of an embryo can divide again and again and be guiding down many developmental pathways to become nearly any type of cell in the body wow. and the team's real achievement was in coaxing these cells to form the different layers and structures of deeply layered skin uh, the integumentary organ that protects our bodies, senses touch, regulates heat, and does myriad other jobs as well. Well, that's the amazing thing. I mean, like uh, obviously, it sounds like before the skin they've been developing was basically like plastic, genetic plastic. Like it didn't, wasn't One able to do type, anything. But yeah, not the exactly. Like it covered, covered you. Yeah, yeah. And it, it it kept whatever in, but it couldn't regulate temperature. Couldn't. Professor grow hair. McGrath says, uh, "Yeah, he he." Professor McGrath, who's a professor of molecular dermatology, is a really tenuous sports analogy i don't get this analogy at all so he says it's it's recapitulating normal skin architecture so rather than having isolated bits of skin here we've actually got a whole box of stuff to give you a football analogy oh dear any anybody can have wayne rooney but now we've got manchester united there's a whole team on the pitch of interacting players oh okay just okay yeah yeah sorry i do get it uh it's a little bit torture though because yeah wayne rooney is doing more than one thing on a pitch but like still. in the team. Oh, it's yeah. not a good analogy. It's, it's not, not horrible. It's not horrible. Uh, today's, today's skin grafts function, but they don't really look or behave like skin. If you don't have the hair follicles and you don't have the sweat glands and things, it's not going to function as skin. Uh, McGrath right. said that many other labs will now be trying to re- reproduce these findings and adapt them for different purposes, such as recreating skin diseases in a dish and trying out treatments. There'll be wow. lots of benefits for immediate use as well as for translational science. I think gloss over the fact that it's just the idea of a chemical bath being used to roll back the clock is amazing. To be able to like wind the clock back on a cell, yeah, to get it back to its. How do you uh, get those chemicals? Just, just, uh... You could make more money off that. Yeah. Bathe people and the chemicals wind back the clock. Her face is looking quite stem celly these yeah. days. <laughs> I'm not sure even what kind of organ it's going to turn into, but it's, yeah. she looks beautiful. <laughs> Just that liver on her cheek? It becomes like just John Carpenter movies. Just everyone's like the thing and just could be any, yeah. Wrinkle free. He's becoming a monster, but a clean skinned monster. (laughs) (laughs) Very fresh faced monster. I would kill for that complexion. Yeah. And it does. I still don't quite get how they're getting these different types. They say that that, the real achievement is that they were able to do it, but I still don't quite. And they don't explain how they layer it all together. Yeah. That's probably proprietary yeah they can't explain exactly why or it's in, or it's in the paper i don't know if that's, we, that's that true a, we're reading just the high level version of it we are reading an article on the bbc that's about it so i wonder if it's also easy to then connect the nerve endings and things if those are created and, and if that would be part of it or if it's gonna so it would have a, a sense of touch as well yeah i mean that's pretty important right that's one mm-hmm. of the many things skin is good for i like skin oh my like god he's back at <laughs> uh do you want to do you want to do the salt story, the fork story? Speaking of senses, yeah, this uh, one's pretty interesting. Because our friend and donor Linda Moulton sent it, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, so Japan has invented an electric fork that is salt flavored. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> why? What? What happened? There's so, a fork. So we know salt uh, can be bad for you, and health conscious mm-hmm. salt lovers are likely to celebrate the fact that Japanese scientists have created a new guilt free way of enjoying it by inventing an electric fork. Which sounds horrible. The prototype fork creates a salty taste in the mouth at the press <laughs> of a button due to the release of an electrical current that stimulates the tongue. So it shocks you. Shocks you into thinking well, you're tasting salt. I guess it's sort of like licking a battery. Right. It has yeah. a taste to it, doesn't it? That's it's probably like, what it is, yeah. Or having right. a stroke and you smell toast. It's like a yeah. short circuit on it. If you get hit in the mm-hmm. in the head really hard and it tastes like burning, you know, yeah. or you smell bur- whatever that is. That, or you taste metal. Like yeah. the copper, yeah. 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 Um, huh. So... Yeah, the battery-operated fork, which can create sour and metallic, as well as salty tastes. But yeah, who wants metallic taste? First of all, it is metal, so yes, it can create metallic taste. I love that. Um, It was pioneered by Hiromi Nakamura at Rekimoto Lab um, in Tokyo. Uh, The device, which costs researchers only 2,000 yen to make. Which is 12 
12 pounds. Oh, okay. That's the better way of looking at yeah, it. Yeah, so or, about or $18. $18. Um, is based on the fact that a human tongue feels salty or sour when electricity is applied to it, according to the Nikkei technology. The technology is likely to benefit those who are required for medical reasons to limit or eliminate salt from their diet for medical reasons. Mm, honey, this chicken's good, but uh, I could use a little more salt. Honey, just plug in your fork. (laughs) Did you charge your fork last night, (laughs) honey? I I forgot to charge my fork. (laughs) This food's terrible. Hold on, I have the fork off. Like, oh, it's delicious. (laughs) It's it's quite a Japanese solution as well. If you are going to insist on using a fork, at least make it. We got your point. Well, they tried it with chopsticks, but if they ever actually touched, then you die. <laughs> yeah. and Six people died. Mm-hmm. So uh, the prototype, which is not yet designed to be waterproof, is <laughs> kind of important. Oh, is there any moisture in the human mouth? Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Fine. yeah. Uh, it was reportedly designed for an initiative called No Salt Restaurant, which aims to hold events serving salt-free full-course meals. The fork, which can run for six hours without charging. Uh, who the fuck is going on a six-hour... <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, no. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, I don't know if salt's your problem, Harry. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're 800 pounds. Too much sodium. Too much sodium. <laughs> it, has, what, yeah. it has three levels of electrical current with different degrees of saltiness or sourness apparent depending on the eater's age and, norma- and normal dietary habits. But would it have the actual property? Because salt in cooking brings out the other seasonings you use. When you combine it with things, you taste the other herbs, you taste the other seasonings with salt. When, when a chef says it's under-seasoned, they mean under-salted. So would it just be a salty flavor on top of it, or would it bring up the other flavors that were I don't know, because I, yeah. I wonder what actually bringing up the other flavors means. Whether that, whether there is a chemical know. reaction between the salt know. and the other yeah. compounds in the food, or whether... Know. It just stimulates your tongue and makes it more aware. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. I don't know what that would be. Uh, so it said, one researcher described testing the fork by eating a salt-free tonkatsu pork cutlet with salt-free sour sauce and found that pressing the button made the pork more salty and the sauce more sour, although pushing it up to too high a level made it taste metallic. <laughs> um, a salt-heavy diet has long been associated with high blood pressure and an yes. increased risk of heart disease. Government guidelines currently recommending a daily limit of six grams for adults. You can also just use some potassium instead for a bit. That's a lot of people do now. Is that, is that does it taste like salt? It tastes. It has a salty flavor. It's oh. not the same as sodium. It doesn't taste the same as sodium. I think that's what low salt is. It's a mixture of sodium yes. chloride and or potassium like, chloride. Yeah, oh, and okay. you'll find like in Mrs. Dash and those things, there'll be some sodium. Potassium, and potassium in there as well. The problem is then there's limits on that too. It's not like you right. Can, I'm sure that must have some of the same problems as absolutely. It just doesn't come chloride. up because people don't. Do that. Are you yeah, meaning the dangers of high potassium diet. I'm looking up potassium chloride just to see if there's anything that you should know about uh, putting it in your body. No, they found a spoon that can make it taste potassium. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just feel like that's sort of isn't that fixing a problem that doesn't need fixing? Isn't the problem eat less shit? Right, right. But I mean, it's also people like the taste of salt. So, but, but we can, can eat a regular amount of salt. It's just one of those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. You know, as we weaken the human race by inches. One of those let's things. Stop, you don't have to stop or show any self-control at all. Just keep tricking yourself into not doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, I used to get uh, the tomato juice on a plane, and they'd often give you the whole can, because yeah. you're the weird one who's ordering the tomato juice. Yes. And uh, Although there's a reason for that, apparently, as well. Wait, Go back to that in a second. Um, wait, 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 for, for giving the whole can? No, no, for drinking tomato juice on a plane. Okay, we'll get back oh. to that. Uh, I'll, I'll write that down. But um, but I remember He's looking. Not at, writing anything. I remember looking at the side of the can and theater of the mind. <laughs> like a, oh, he's got a quill. It had like a way. third of your recommended Overdrive. daily allowance of salt. Oh yeah, in that one can. In that one can. Oh, it's 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 ridiculous. It was absurd. It's like soup. You've ever got canned soup? It's oh just my god, like, canned ooh, soup. You look at it, you're like, oh, it's a ton. You're like, oh, it's one serving. It's like 1,200 milligrams. Right. I think it's a um, week's worth. But apparently, yeah. your taste buds are less sensitive, less effective in the high, in the low pressure, high altitude environment of being on a plane hmm. which is one of the reasons in general I think we talked on the show before about how on a plane you crave stronger flavors and one of that oh, I didn't know one that. of those things is you tomato juice is something that you enjoy the taste of more because it's saltier it's got it's that tang I wonder huh that's interesting I wonder why that, why that does that to the tongue you're saying that uh, you would you would it would be maybe potato juice potato juice potato juice is uh, tomato juice would delicious. be too intense of a flavor for you on land but uh, with your not deadened- too intense but more of an intense flavor yeah. Yeah. yeah and it wouldn't have the same craving level it's like I want something salty and interesting yeah I'm trying to think whether I've ever ordered something that is out of the ordinary for me on a plane potato juice potato juice all the time I love, I just want to, I can, I, can I get a copy of Skin Weekly and a thing of potato juice <laughs> just like a potato juice <laughs> spritzer just, just like a little bit possible? of lemon and some potato juice give me the whole can mm-hmm. just a little new potato on the rim just a new potato <laughs> oh. 
I do always order when I'm in international flights. I just whatever the uh, the least American because they always have like multiple options. Yep. So yeah, just give me whatever the thing is of the country I'm going to. So apparently, the combination of dryness and low pressure mm. on a plane. The lack of humidity as well reduces the sensitivity of your taste buds to sweet and salty foods by around thirty percent. Wow. Well, that's when that's why you need that electric fork on the plane if they can get an adapter. Yeah. Because or just pump pressure in. <laughs> just pump. Yeah. Well, this makes me think. Yeah. Sky fork. I, I think I do taste things a little bit less when I'm just like at elevation, if like on, on like a skiing trip or something. That seems to be a thing I can remember is not enjoying even like the taste of a beer as much. Like beer tasting blander to me. Hmm. Well, beer goes weird at high pressure as well because yeah. it frothes more. It froths right, more. that's yeah. true. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Very. All I know is Diet Coke on a plane is amazing. Maybe it's the extra. Maybe it's because you're having everything else that's bland and it's this big maybe cut it's of the, sweetness get, and saltiness. Yeah, and you probably get more bubbles as well. Yeah. yeah wh- I don't. Uh, why do I only order ginger ale on airplanes? Also, is that something that's like a common Are you sick thing? On airplanes a lot. You- <laughs> but isn't that a thing? I think of that as a traveling yeah, no, traveling is, drink. Probably, I think it's a thing. Like I would never order that in a restaurant, but like when they come by with a cart, ginger ale every ginger time. Ginger ale. Well, also you, maybe you see it and you crave it because you yeah. see it on the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it is one of those ones. And also nowadays on planes they charge you for drinks, and I'm. Yeah. Not, I, not for soda, that. though. No, exactly. For alcohol yeah. drinks, rather. So oh, I'm you, guys, at... you, guys, you guys fly in economy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, wow. This is awkward. Wow. Uh, they uh, flew me here on Friday. No. <laughs> by the way, did you guys hear budget. about Virgin today? Um, uh, oh, being bought out by Alaskan? Yeah, Virgin, Virgin America got bought out by Alaska. Wow. So it's a race to the bottom, guys. Alaska, don't fuck this up. Let us have something. Let us have some I've plane never that's pleasant flown to Virgin be on. America. Is it great? It's very pleasant. They flew out of Toronto for a sh- this, this flicker of a window, and then they closed like six months. I was like, okay, great. I'm flying in the fall. And they were gone. Yeah. gone. They, I guess they weren't getting enough traffic on the routes there. It's very affordable. They got purple lights. I'm, I'm on board. And also, I'm hearing all these stories about how other airlines are, as much as we all complain about Spirit Airlines, mm-hmm. they're killing it right now. So other airlines are trying to find a way to compete with that super low-end model. Like, right. Delta is offering their, like, economy minus soon, which will be like, you're half standing up Ugh. or something. Like, it's just the worst. Here's my genius the idea, worst. I think, that you, that you do. You know, people hate being charged for their bags. They had all these premiums. If you had an airline and you stopped saying, here's your flight and it's $30 for your bag. Yeah. If you said, here's the flight, uh, if you decide not to take a bag, we'll give you $20 back. So set the price slightly higher and give people an incentive not to bring stuff. They'd feel like they were gaming the system and saving money as opposed to being fucked over for having to go, oh, I paid my ticket. Oh, you're st-. If it's right. the ticket's two twenty nine, feel like not bringing a bag, we'll get you in for one ninety nine. You're like, oh, what a great deal. And then they would feel the money would That's be the same point. for the airlines. Yeah, yeah. you feel like uh, if you want to take a middle seat right now, we'll give you a $20 voucher. Yeah, exactly. Done. And you're like, oh, my God, middle seats fill up. There's yeah. no fights at the airport. They make the same bottom oh, line. Oh, we'll give you like a free drink or a, yeah. free, like a free drinks ticket. And do all that kind of stuff. Suddenly it feels like you're starting from a place and then giving them the option to to be deal guys, coupon people. Right. Because well, there is something, um, and we again, this is something we've talked on the show before about... Um, this isn't science. Anymore. If you have... No, it's, well, it's, 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 it's economics. It's, and, uh, yeah. And, and, economics. and there is a real psychology to... People feel much better, and I can't remember what the, the name is for this phenomenon, but people feel much better uh, getting something when they previously at zero than yes. having it at the first, than having it all along. And they feel much worse uh, having something and then having it taken away than they would if they never had it. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is why, uh, I, mean, I was talking about this just yesterday, That uh, it is an amazing bit, but that bit of Louis on Conan where he's talking about someone being pissed off at Wi-Fi and like, oh, you fly, yeah. you're... Obviously, while well, you're in a, sitting on a me- on a chair in the sky, yes. a yeah. metal tube that can get you across. And it's a yeah. great bit, and he's brilliant. Yeah, but there is truth to that in that you are legitimately, naturally annoyed if you get given Wi-Fi and then it doesn't work. Absolutely. You feel much worse than if you just never had... If you never had right. it in the first place, you never knew it existed, no. you would be fine. No. You would have no... But if someone goes like, hey, do you want this... Uh, do you want this free sandwich? Oh, by the way, it's past its sell-by date, so we're going to have to put it in the trash. Like, you, like yeah, that, yes, rather than yeah, just... Yes. That makes you feel shitty. And yes. I think it's the same psychology. Yeah, if you absolutely. go, oh, you now have to pay us more money to put a bag on, rather than yeah. just, hey, you get this money back if... My friends are saying the same thing about, like, they, 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 they ran a show years ago and they were up for an Emmy at one point. They had never occurred to them to be up for something. Right. And they went there, and they're, but they're like, oh, you know, be kind of... They lost, of course. And they're like, they felt so sad for a little while because it was... Not something they ever counted on, right? Wanted, and it was suddenly, but suddenly you're like, it's possible, well, and then you're okay, yeah. But I think this would only work if every airline agreed to it, and why would they? Because one airline can be like, no, we'll just call ours the lowest thing, mm. and then it'll appear right away to you're be right. the best choice to dummies. Which is what That's I think true. the real problem is. I can't believe Kayak and, and all these search engines 
don't uh, force apples to apples comparisons. Like, don't show me Spirit among the searches with no, the rest of them. No, I agree. Yeah. Only show me people that have equivalent yeah. service. Like, if, if show me other airlines with no bags or show me other airlines with one carry-on. Well, Ryanair is, if you've ever... Who? Like, if you're talking about Race to the Bottom, the worst of the worst is Ryanair. Worse than Spirit? Worse than Spirit. Okay. Based, in the, based, in, based out of Ireland, travels a lot in the UK, and... Just run by a game, Ryan. Ryan. It's, it's, it's like... It, it's like a carny trick of an airline. <laughs> like, everything about them, like, they charge you to check in. Oh, like, they charge you, oh if you God. um if you don't check in online, they charge you to check in at the airport. Um, the biggest scam is they have, I think it was, it might have changed the number, but it was, last time I checked, it was like £10 per person, per direction booking fee. Oh, wow. So if you're booking, like, a family of four round trip, then... That's 80 pounds. Yeah, that's an 80 pound booking booking. fee. And the only way they can get around it, the only way they can justify not including that rate in the search prices is they have one way in which you can't, in which you don't have to pay it. And that's if you have a, what's the card? I can't, you have one specific type of debit card. (laughs) Like a diner's club or something? It's kind of, it's like the debit card that I had with the bank account. It's like the bank account that you open when you're 13 to put your paper round money in. Yeah, yeah, like sure. that that card that you get sure. is the card that they, there are no booking fees on Ryanair. So there's a technically a way around it. It's so like a Nathan for you sketch yeah. in terms of like exactly. the, like the, the mountain and then the yeah. view of the voucher. Yeah, oh, that, God, oh, can I have my bags? You need your bag reclamation fee, but I paid to check the bags. Yeah, that was to check the bags. Yeah. <sighs> hey, you know you know what all of these airlines need when they're navigating. Here we go. Accurate uh, uh, calculations of the numerical value of pi? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're circumnavigating. Is that actually where you're going actually or not? Was what I was oh, nice. Oh, beautiful. Love it when I predict the segue. Oh, man. He just high fived a giant doll with the word segue on its chest. Theater of the mind. Theater of the mind. Absolutely. Holy cow. I, was that really what you were going for? That really was what I was going for. I was joking because I was like, there's no way he means this article. Open right in front of me. Awesome. Holy Amazing. Cow. He doesn't have a computer. <laughs> never had a computer. There's, there's no computers here. Uh, wow. Well, this so is interesting. Um, people like to memorize Pi for, for shits and giggles, right? And um, some t- people can memorize it for like hundreds of digits. But mm-hmm. um, it's interesting to think about what is the actual greatest accuracy you would ever need to know pi for this is a story on nasa or anything mm-hmm. at all you might ever calculate yeah. in the world yeah and this is a story on nasa's jpl yeah site sent in by wes sanwo because we're talking about where they're trying to get was it up to a trillion places they're trying they've gotten and they're trying to get past it i can't remember that like they're yeah, saying I, that i don't know what the most is that a computer so far calculated. Well, they were talking about projecting and then the, the counterpoint was but how far there's literally a, a limit to what we would ever need for any purpose based on the actual size of the universe yeah. and it's not that high of a number um i read one thing where they said there was one one benchmark at 15 and another one at 40 i think that i took a look at so I don't have a so computer, computers no. have yes. so far got up to ten to the power of thirteen digits, roughly now. Okay, which is the number of digits if you count them, you would end up with a number that has like one and then thirteen zeros at yes. the end of it. Which is about as many digits as you need for pi, apparently. Uh, thirteen. <laughs> uh, but so the, they use these examples to figure out what the actual number of decimal places we would need. Um, for instance, the most distant spacecraft from Earth is Voyager 1, and that's about 12.5 billion miles away. So let's say we have a circle with a radius of exactly that size, so we'd have 25 billion miles in diameter, mm-hmm. and we calculate that circumference, which is pi times the radius times 2, or times, yeah. times the diameter. Um, using pi rounded to the 15th decimal, that would come out to a little more than 78 billion miles as that circumference of that circle. And we don't have to be concerned with exactly what that value is. You can multiply it out if you want, but the but rather the error in the value by not using more digits of pi. In other words, cutting pi off at 15 decimal places, you'd calculate a circumference for that circle that's very slightly off. And it turns out that calculated circumference um, at 25 billion miles diameter of a circle would be wrong by about an inch and a half. So if I were throwing a football at Voyager and I was using that calculation for my trajectory, I'd... I'd You'd graze I'd, it. I'd still hit it, but not... Yeah, not you would hit a different like part of it. Yeah. Like yeah. People, yeah. Would, yeah. people would applaud, but they wouldn't cheer. Oh, my God. You would make crazy. a 12.5 billion mile pass, and you would be 1.5 inches off wow. of the exact part of the thing you wanted to hit. And that's only with 15 digits of pi, which we could memorize if we gave yeah. ourselves a little time. Um, and there's, one, there's an example with 40 digits as well, which I think is like the universes we know it, or something like they said... There's, I don't know, further down the article where they talk about if you go to 40 digits, you can do the same thing with the entire 
galaxy or the entire universe as we know it, and the, the variation is... Is minuscule, yeah. right. So you wouldn't really need... So yeah, they at the end of this, they said, let's go to the largest size there is. The visible universe, um, the radius of the universe is about 46 billion light years. So how many digits of pi would you need to calculate the circumference of a circle with that radius to be uh, have an accuracy equal to the diameter of a hydrogen atom, the simplest atom. An atom, okay. Yeah. The answer to that is, yeah, only need 39 to 40 decimal places. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize it was an atom that they'd only be able. That's crazy. So it really, I mean, you're sitting in a place and you've spent your life coming up with machines that can calculate pi to 10 to the 14th digit. And, and there's can... no reason. No. Yeah. Except for uh, party games that don't actually entertain anybody. <laughs> He's really fun at a party. <laughs> yeah. He just, just, you start him off for a bit and you can just come back at any point and he's still going. And it would require someone else to also one, be three, looking, okay. yeah. Because oh it's God. also just someone who's good at improv could probably convince you that they know the digits Oh, for sure. Just keep going. <laughs> Confidently name. Stall until the skin bar opens at your party. Yeah. Like, uh, there was a talent show in Portland that I went to and someone's talent was, uh, well, I shouldn't tell you what the talent is first because I came in as she was already doing her thing. So I had to guess what the talent was. And someone would say a word. Someone would say like crocodile and she'd be like C-C-O-R-D-E-R-I-D-E-R-I-D-E-R-I-D-E-R-I-D-E-R-I-D-E-R-I-D-E-R-I-D-E-R-I-D-E-R-I-D-E-R-I-D-E-R-I-D-E-
Afterwards. Afterwards, right. Yeah. Yeah. Afterwards, but like, you know how like white iMac keyboards are like the most disgusting things in the world. Yours that's why, are. That's why these, <laughs> that's why MacBooks have black keys now because they get so gross so fast. But you can just use some goo gone and outside. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you didn't want that cleaning lady to see your no, keyboard. No, no. That's embarrassing. I'm cutting all this out. Cutting okay, all this okay. out. It should stay in. Fine, it's in. Fine, it's in. <laughs> wow. That was, well, well, you're a hard man to convince us. <laughs> Well, because because Andy is you know now like some kind of emperor or something, right? Some kind of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Some kind of guy who thinks he's a Greek god. You got uh, fuck you money. You can pay someone once every three months <laughs> to come and give a once over to his place. Uh, Jason, well, yes. Where can our listeners find out more about you and your work? Uh, well, you could go to uh, you could look me up on uh, Twitter. Uh-huh. At, at uh, Big Belleville, at uh, whatever. At Big Belleville, I guess is what it is. Is that how Twitter works? Mm-hmm. Uh, is that how Twitter works? I don't understand that anymore. You go to IMDb, you could find me on, uh, I don't know. You, if you look or if you just type my name into Google, you'll find out what's going on. But my brother and I have a podcast we haven't done for a little while, but there's some good episodes up there uh, with uh, several members of the, of the Kids in the Hall, uh, with uh, Andy Kindler, a bunch of other funny people on, on that nice. show. It's flying, the Flying uh, Belleville's podcast. Excellent. Uh, you can take a look at that. And also, uh, I, I'll, I'll be back on this show before you guys know it. So you can, exactly. you know, right, yeah. you, you exactly. can hear about it then. But no, other than that, I'm just uh, getting ready to work on whatever show comes down the pike this year and take care of my two adorable kids. Congrats on that. Congrats yeah. on the stem cells. I didn't know yeah, about that. Yeah, so. we got that in the bank. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're good. We're uh, covered. You guys have stem cells, right? You guys have. Uh, yeah. I got some of your kids. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> I knew you were swabbing their gums when I saw you last. <laughs> I'm going to grow some pretty skinny years, kid. I thought, yeah, I, I know you thought I was doing that for innocent reasons, yeah. but... No, but uh, I... Oh, and I, I, well, a show I'm really excited about that'll be out in the fall. I did some work on it. It's an IFC show starring Hank Azaria. It's going to be made through Funny or Die. It'll be a lot of fun. Holy it's, shit. He, uh, it's a character he did on the website, a bunch called Brockmire. And it's like a burned-out, fried baseball commentator who melts down and comes back. And a guy named Joel Church Cooper created the show. And we oh, yeah. just got it off the ground. And he, he's going to shoot it in, in May, I think. they're gonna Awesome. Shoot it. And it's going to be great. It'll be on in the fall. And that's going to be a terrific show. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, oh. he, he's a good guy. It's going to be a great show. Very cool. Um, you can check us out at Probably Science and also Probably Science on Twitter. Uh, we will be up at Bridgetown Comedy Festival yes. in June. And more uh, uh, before that... In fact, this coming week, if uh, if you're going to be in or anywhere near Anchorage, oh, that's right, yeah. please go to Chilkut Charlie's because I'm going to be performing there all week from Wednesday onwards. I uh, just got a message from John Hood, listener John. Hey, John, who is warning me that apparently there's a volcano erupting in the oh, west that's no. disrupting interstate air travel. Yes, uh, I might get to see a, I don't know, I might get to see a volcano. Who knows? Uh, and also, I know there's other probably science listeners up there, including fellow comedian uh, Matthew Bergoon, who was on some of the shows with me. Nice. So, hey, Matt. Uh, and hey, some of the other uh, Alaska people, please come out. You can find us at Matt Kirshen, at Andy T. Wood, yep. and also at Jesse Case. And listen to Jesse versus Cancer. It is awesome. Uh, and uh, questions, comments, clarifications, probably science at gmail.com. Tweet us at probably science. Please write nice things about us on iTunes. Please give us nice ratings. That really helps bump us up in the charts and helps more people find out about us. And uh, Andy, have you got anything else to plug? I can't think of anything right now. <laughs> Well, in that case, we should sign off. Yes. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. You guys are great. It's a lot of fun. I love the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, I just wish I knew where I could find out more about you guys because you (laughs) didn't take any time to plug anything. (laughs) I just feel like, I guess I'll go to sciencefact.org. I don't know where to to go. Best of luck to you. Yes. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you soon.